Emmett Fox's Power Through Constructive Thinking. Life After Death. Resurgum. There is no death. Our stars go down to rise upon some fair shore and brighten heaven jewel crown thy shine forevermore. Evermore do they shine. There is no death. The dust we tread shall change beneath the summer showers to golden grain or mellow fruit or rainbow-tinted flowers. The granite rocks in powder fall and feed the hungry moss they hear and that they bear. The fairest leaves drink daily life from out the viewless air. There is no death. The leaves may fall. The flowers may fade and pass away. They only wait through wintry hours the coming of the May. And ever near us, though unseen, the fair immortal spirits tread, for all the boundless universe is life, there are no dead. This has been attributed to Bulwer-Lytton. Bulwer-Lytton. B-U-L-W-E-R L-Y-T-T-O-N <clears throat> Life After Death Into the hand that made the rose shall I with trembling fall George Meredith There is absolutely no reason to fear death. The same God is on the other side of the grave as on this side. And the Bible tells us that God is love, and we know that he is also boundless intelligence and infinite power. It is true that most people do fear death more or less, but this fear is partly that normal fear of the unknown that is apt to affect us all. The fear, as it were, of taking a leap in the dark, and partly it is the result of the false teaching on the subject that most people acquire in their youth, in the hope of disciplining them and frightening them into good conduct, people have been taught throughout the ages to regard death with horror. Such, of course, is a mistaken policy because good never comes out of evil, and fear in particular is never constructive. Nevertheless, men have been taught in most places and in all ages to fear death in the hope that, under the shadow of that fear, they would behave themselves better during life. The time has now come, however, 
when the mass of the people no longer believe in these threats, but are prepared to hear the truth. The actual truth is that there is no death. When a person seems to die, all that happens is that he leaves his body here and goes over onto the next plane, otherwise unchanged. He falls asleep here to wake up on the other side minus his physical body, which probably more or less was damaged. But enriched with the knowledge that he has not really died. This is the story of what we call death, and in most cases it is easier than being born. To understand clearly how this process comes about, you have to realize that you really possess not one body, but two. It may surprise you to be told that right here at the present moment, you have not only the physical body that you know about, the thing that you see when you look into the glass, but a second body which is nonetheless substantial because you cannot see it and that this body is made of ether. This statement may surprise you, but it is true. The etheric body is the same shape as your physical body, but it is slightly larger and it interpenetrates, interpenetrates the physical body as air fills a sponge. It does not surround it, but interpenetrates it. It may help you to think of it as a replica of the physical body in ether. There are a few people who can see the etheric body when they concentrate for that purpose because they have the power of contacting much finer vibrations than can be perceived by the ordinary physical senses. But, of course, the vast majority lack this power. All the time you are awake, your two bodies remain together, interpenetrating each other. But when you fall asleep, the greater part of your etheric slips out of the physical, and in reality, this slipping out of the etheric is what constitutes sleep. The same sort of thing happens when you become unconscious, either from taking an anesthetic, or from a blow on the head, or if you fall into what is called a trance, or into some form of coma. All these conditions differ somewhat one from another, but they are all in common this is what they have. More or less of the etheric slips out of the physical body, taking the consciousness with it. The etheric body is not a simple, homogeneous thing, but is composed of several different ethers of different densities. Nevertheless, for our purpose, we shall treat it as one. 
The physical body is composed of solids, liquids, and gases, and of many complicated and distinct organs. But in studying the biography of a man, we treat his body as a unit, and in the same way we shall treat the etheric as one. Now, it is this etheric body which is the repository of all your thoughts and feelings. It includes what are often called the conscious and the subconscious minds. It is the psyche of the psychologist, and it is, in fact, your human personality. That is why personality survives death, because it resides in the etheric, which passes over intact and not in the physical, which breaks up into decomposition when it is left alone. I have said that your etheric is the seat of all feeling, and this is true. It may surprise you to hear that there is no sensation in the physical body, but such is the case. When you think you have pain in your physical body, the pain is really in the etheric counterpart, and that is why anesthesia is possible. When you take a general anesthetic, the etheric is thrown out, and therefore you do not experience bodily sensations. People undergoing a major operation under an anesthetic have sometimes remained perfectly conscious, but out of the body, and have watched the surgeon at work with interest and attention. When you take a local anesthetic, such as Novocaine, the local part of the etheric is driven out, and you have no feeling there. But as the effect of the Novocaine wears off, that portion of the etheric returns and, those who have been in the hands of the dentist know, the pain gradually comes back. In all these cases, when the etheric leaves the physical body, it remains attached to it by an etheric ligament, very much like a boy's kite floating at the end of the string, which he holds in his hand. This etheric connection is called, in the Bible, the silver cord. It is bluish-gray in color and is so elastic that the etheric body can go very long distances away and still remain attached to the physical corpus. In sleep, by far the greater part of the etheric slips out. In very materialistic and otherwise undeveloped people, or underdeveloped people for that matter, the etheric remains only a yard or two from the body, usually floating overhead. But people, with people of some degree of mental training, and especially with those who have some spiritual development, it passes right over onto the next plane, and sometimes beyond that. The difference between normal sleep and anesthesia 
and the different kinds of trance is a question of how much of the etheric goes out at that particular time. That is all. When we see people nodding asleep and then waking up and then nodding again, it means that the etheric is wobbling in and out. So your etheric slips out every time you go to sleep and returns when you wake up again. That is, as long as the silver cord remains unbroken. Now, what is death? Well, death is the breaking of the silver cord. As long as that remains intact, you are alive, whether you are conscious or not. But once it is broken, you are dead. Death is the severing of the silver cord. As soon as it is cut, you are dead. You are definitely cut off from your physical body and your life on this plane. There is a scriptural reference to that last paragraph. Numbers 24, verse 4, Acts 10, verse 10, Acts 11, verse 5, Acts 22, verse 17. So this, then, is death. Your etheric body, which is your personality, has severed its connection with the physical body, and as that body is your only means of functioning on the physical plane, you have finished with your earthly life. Now we come to the vital question. What precisely is it that happens to a person when he dies, when the silver cord is severed? What does he think? What does he feel? Well, as a rule, he immediately falls into a state of total unconsciousness, which may last for days or even weeks. During this time, the etheric, that is, he himself, passes over onto the next plane, and he is in the next world. Here, in due course, he wakes up very much as we wake up from sleep on this plane, and his new life has begun. It is an interesting fact that at the instant preceding death, the whole of the past life unfolds before the mind exactly like a moving picture reel flashing by. The actual speed is so great that it all happens in a split second. Yet, the mind sees every detail clearly. It is possible to come so near death that without actually dying, one can still come back and continue to live after this has happened, but usually only in cases of near death from asphyxia. Only in near drowning, suffocation, or gassing, as a rule, is the process slow enough to admit this. This experience is really, of course, the unfolding of the subconscious mind, the judgment books of Scripture, 
and an exceedingly awe-inspiring and sometimes terrible experience it is, as one can easily imagine. It is with this authentic inside story of his life fresh in his memory that the traveler begins his life on the other side. Here it is natural to ask, where is the next world situated? Is it up in the sky or down under the ground? The answer is that it is neither of those places. The next world is actually all around us here. The so-called dead are carrying on their lives right here where we are now, but in their own world and in their own way. The reason we do not see them around us or collide with them is the same reason that one radio program goes or one radio program does not interfere with another. They are on different wavelengths. There is not merely one etheric plane, as many people think, but many, each one less dense than the previous one, going on to infinity, and they all interpenetrate one another. The activities of any one plane do not interfere in any way with those of any of the others for the reason just given. There is relatively a very great difference between the density of any one of these planes and that of the next one to it, so that normally there is no passing from one to another. Upon waking up on the next plane, the dead person notes certain familiar aspects in the world about him, but remarks some curious differences too. If he has been very ill, or if he is an elderly person, he is agreeably surprised by a sense of well-being and youth. This is because, having left the worn-out body on the earth plane, it no longer restricts the full functioning of his mind. He is able to see his etheric body, and it now seems to him as substantial as the old physical body seemed. Again, one of the principal differences between this plane and the next is that there are four dimensions over there. Whereas here, of course, we know only three. All objects there are four-dimensional, and it takes some time to get used to that. Of course, a four-dimensional object cannot be described here in words, but you will easily see that it means an enormous extension of experience and therefore of interest. Consider how tremendously the world of a two-dimensional being, say a worm, would be expanded if he became three-dimensional, and you can realize something of the enhanced interest of the next plane 
when one of us goes over there. Some writers, unfortunately, are in the habit of speaking of heaven as the fourth dimension. This is quite wrong because heaven is a world of infinite dimension. What physical writers say about heaven is usually correct except that it is not the fourth dimension. Also, there are new colors and new sounds on the next plane, far surpassing in beauty the colors and the sounds which we have there. And it is a fact that new experience of every sort awaits the traveler on his arrival. Perhaps the most startling change that the traveler has to meet is the fact that over there, thought reading is a normal means of communication. In the next world, thoughts are read directly, and therefore there is no deception. Everyone is seen to be just what he is, and there is no room for hypocrisy or pretense. All the labor and nervous strain of keeping up appearances that wears out the lives of so many foolish people over here is unknown there. You pass for what you are, and that is the end of the matter. One soon gets accustomed to this, and then one there would wish it to be otherwise. There are no old people on the other side for the following reason. What we see here as an elderly gentleman is in fact a man of mature mind whose body has begun to decay so that all his faculties are dimmed. He sees poorly, is almost deaf, moves about with difficulty, finds his memory impaired and in many cases it is difficult to make him understand things we wish to say to him. These conditions are simply due to the decay of the physical body preventing his etheric from functioning efficiently, and now that the physical body is thrown away, he naturally regains the full use of his powers and so in the next world, he will be a man in the prime of life. On the other hand, children who pass over, not having yet reached maturity of mind, continue to grow up on the other side until they too reach the prime of life. There are many different localities on the next plane differing very much one from another, just as in this world we find countries as different as Sweden and Italy, for example, and even in the same city we find such different conditions as the squalid streets of slumberland and the beautiful sections occupied by wealthy and cultured people. Indeed, there is much greater variety of living conditions over there than anything that we find on this earth, so that one might 
compare the going over to the experience of a man who spends most of his life on a small island here and then suddenly leaves that island to explore the whole world. What is it that determines the kind of place to which you will go after death and the sort of people among whom you will find yourself? Of course, it is not a matter of chance or luck any more than it is the nature of your surroundings here. You will go to the sort of place and be among the sort of people for whom you have prepared yourself by your habitual thinking and your mode of living while on this earth. No one sends you anywhere. You naturally gravitate to the place where you belong. You have built up a certain character, that is, a certain mentality, by your years of thinking, speaking, and acting on this plane. That is the kind of person you are at the moment, and you find yourself in conditions corresponding to your personality. Remember that death makes positively no change in you. You are just the same person that you were before it happened. You have your full memory and you remember the general events of your life just as well, and often somewhat better than you did toward the end of your life here. Students of metaphysics understand that all your conditions in this world are the result of our thoughts and convictions and precisely the same thing is true of the next world. On this plane people with the same interests tend to attract one another. The law that birds of a feather flock together holds throughout the universe. There is, however, one extremely important difference. On the other side, your thoughts are demonstrated immediately. In this world, as we know, it may take days, weeks, and even years before mental states come out into manifestation. But over there, they demonstrate at once. Whatever you think or feel strongly, you experience instantly as an outer condition, and this is rather confusing at first. To those on the other side, the ether seems just as solid as physical matter does to us, and in the beginning they expected to have the inertia, which it does not possess. They are surprised and disconcerted when they constantly find that it submits immediately to the molding of their thought. They feel rather like a person whose automobile gets out of control and runs away with him. They think, and sometimes something happens that corresponds to their thought. This surprises or frightens them 
and this fright causes an intensification of the phenomenon or perhaps a seeming cataclysm and the confusion worse that is worse confounded confusion multiples until the newcomer pulls himself together and learns to control his thinking. One would naturally suppose that under these conditions he need only be careful what he does think and all will be well and this is perfectly true but in practice it is difficult instantly to change one's habits of thought in this way. If we have accustomed ourselves when on earth to negative thinking, the thoughts of fear, criticism, ill will, or sickness, it takes some time to overcome such habits when we get across. Most of us know only too well particularly those of us who have tried the seven-day mental diet. That changing our current of thought is not an easy matter, but of course it has to be done. Okay, this is the end of uh, Emmett Fox's Power Through Constructive Thinking, Life After Death, Part 1.